welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. We're still in the middle of our not series, and today we're going to talk about do not fear. Paul told his spiritual son, Timothy, he had not been given the spirit of fear with love and of power and a sound mind. And so let's learn about how to overcome fear in the worst of times. Come on, join us. Let's get right into the word. It's been a long time just preaching to cameras, you know, and it, the red light was on. I knew to look here, look there, but it's nice to preach to some faces again, eh? So, you know, next week is, uh, next week's Father's Day, so uh, we got a, actually a baby dedication going on next week, so we're going to have a lot of fun. So, we're in the middle of a not series, so, uh, and it, it's a not, not going well. It's, it's good. And uh, you want to come next week, because we're going to talk about how, uh, you know, he's not going to leave us as orphans. You're not orphans. You're not fatherless. And so, that's going to be fun. We're going to have fun. But today, we're going to talk about do not we're going to talk about do not, <laughs> hold on, I'll go a little closer to the signal, make sure I don't drop out, is that better? Do not fear, do not fear, that's what we're going to talk about fear today, we're going to talk about a few scriptures on fear. Now, yesterday I was sitting on our front porch, love our front porch, and it's fun watching the world go by and all the things that happen right downtown, so it's, it's always very entertaining, lots of sirens, lots of noise, lots of exciting things going on, but, but suddenly I had these, I, I don't like bees, I don't like bees, wasps, hornets, or anything, but uh, like as soon as one manifests, I just, I, I start to manifest, you know, so I don't know about you, I've been stung a few times, a few times out golfing, swimming, opening my umbrella once, I was opening my umbrella for the first time in a season, opened it up, and all of a sudden, whoop, a, a whole swarm of hornets came out, there was a nest in there, and I got bit about three times on my hand, I'm running around the backyard like, ah, I mean, just, they freak me out, so these bees were there, and I'm telling Cheryl, I don't know, I think they're trying to make a nest under the chair, maybe it's under the, I mean, somebody better check that out, she says, well, get under there and check it out, I said, you check it out, but uh, not big on bees. I was in the car once with my wife, and we were in Toronto, and I was in sales and went to one of my accounts. She went with me, and we were there at a light, stopped and waiting on Eglinton Avenue, just the other side of the Don Valley Parkway, or the Don Valley parking lot, if you've been there. But we were there, and all of a sudden, the window was open. We're singing along. All of a sudden, a bee flew into the car, and it's just going everywhere. And I mean, I lost all sense of what was normal, and my, my foot came off the brake onto the accelerator, and boom, I went right into the back of the car in front of me. And, you know, sometimes fear of silly things can actually motivate you to do some stupid stuff, and yet God says we're not supposed to fear, but, but you know, there are legitimate fears. I mean, there's some fears that are real. I mean, the, there is the real fear where you, you, you do get afraid of things on purpose, right? But fear generally, it's destructive, it hinders things in your life, and it can cause a lot of damage. The fear also comes from the word worry. The word worry means to strangle. When you get worried about stuff, it's like strangle. It's like you just diminish what's happening. And so uh, Corey Tenboom said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties it of its strength. Fear doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. Like worrying about stuff will not make tomorrow less sorrowful, less troublesome. Fear and worry actually empties tomorrow of its strength. Can I get an amen from the back row? Yeah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that, right? Luke chapter 12, verse 32, it says, Do not fear. Do not 
fear. Did you know, and I've looked at this, you go home and look it up too, but, but it said, I'm going to read them all to you, but there's 365 versions of don't be afraid or do not fear, 365 times that appears in the Bible. One for every day. One for every day, except leap year, you're on your own. I don't know what's going to happen there, but, but one for every day. I mean, I mean, God's trying to get our attention. Fear is not a tool you want to use to shape your future. Can I get an amen from the left side? My left, your left. I don't know. I'm so confused. All right. So fear not. Joshua 1.9, have I not committed? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. I love that. Here's Joshua transitioning the people of God into the promise of God. And, I mean, he's just crying out, don't be afraid. Fear is going to hinder you from walking into the fullness of what God has for you. It'll strangle things in your life. You don't want to be afraid. Now, this doesn't have fear in it, but it's just one of my favorite verses. Joshua 23, 10. One of you is going to chase a thousand for the Lord your God. He's the one who fights for you as he promised you. I mean, man, you're going to be so accelerated, so powerful, so awesome. Do not fear. Here's a good one for you. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Do not yield to fear, for I am always near. And that even rhymes. Do not yield to fear, for I am always near. Do not yield to fear, for I am always near. Near. Listen to the rest of this. Never turn your gaze from me, for I am your faithful God. I will infuse you with my strength and help you in every situation. I will uphold you firmly with my victorious right hand. I'm going to read that again, all right? Just because, you know, it's a good verse. we got to read it again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. So here it is. Do not yield to fear, for I am always near. Never turn your gaze from me, for I am your faithful God. I will infuse you with my strength and help you in every situation. I will hold you with my and I will hold you firmly with my strong right hand. Amen. Amen. That's good right there. Now we're going to jump into Second Timothy because here's where my other fear verse is. But in 2 Timothy, I want to talk to you about this because one of my favorite, really, books of the Bible, because it's a, it's a father in the Lord talking to his spiritual son, but it's at the end of his life, and Paul knows. He says, man, I tell you, Paul, Paul knew what his time was because Paul literally said, I could go to be with the Lord, but I'm going to stay and hang around with you guys. He literally was choosing when it was time to go and wasn't, but he knew that my time to go now, it's going to be messy going to be a bit ugly. And he says, don't be ashamed of my chains, Timothy. Don't, don't be frustrated by what's going on. See, there, there were a lot of people being, you know, Paul ain't all that. Look, he, you know, he, he did miracles, did wonderful stuff. But now, look, he's all chained up, locked down in prison. I mean, his gospel isn't free. Look at him. He's not all that. But Paul said, do not be ashamed of my chains. Don't, don't worry about what you see. Don't, don't begin to fear. Don't begin. And literally, the word here of fear is don't turn a coward. Don't, don't turn away from, from the purpose of God. And so he's encouraging them to stand fast in the message. Stand fast in the ministry that I've given you. So, so this is a father in his heart talking to a son who is, is beginning to be challenged and be concerned about, you know, what's going on in his life. Is this not, not working good well, enough for you? it just keeps cutting out. You wanted to join me, didn't you? Just... <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that keeps cutting what, out. What, should, what did you want to say about fear, honey? Don't fear. Don't Do fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. We have you lined in. 
All right, they have me lined in. They just need to jack me up a bit, right? Just so that they can hear me over at Victoria Hospital. All right, do not fear. So, so this is, I mean, church history tells us, think about this now. This is, this is church history tells us that, that Timothy literally took this church when Paul left them there as the pastor, this church in Ephesus, and he made it into a mega church in a matter of seven to ten years. That church in Ephesus became a 10,000-member church of believers in the early days of the body of Christ. So here's a young man who was left behind by Paul to minister, and this group of people began to accelerate and began to grow and now he's hearing about his spiritual father and there's, there's doubts and there's concerns. I mean, Nero was Caesar at the time and he's jacking up his attack on the Christians and it's becoming really difficult and a really hard time for him. And, and, and he wrote this because he said, Timothy, don't be timid. Timothy, don't let fear creep in. Timothy, stay fast on the message, the purpose and the gospel that I've called you to. Do not fear. So 2 Timothy 2 Timothy 1, 6 to 8, it says, Therefore, I remind you, therefore, listen, Timothy, I'm going to remind you to stir up or fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not. God has not given you a spirit of fear but of love and of power and a sound mind. Can I get an amen on that one? You knew that verse, right? That's what he said to me. He wanted to encourage me. In this, in this time of trouble, in this anxious season in the body of Christ, in this anxious time in this young pastor's life who now in his mid-30s is pastoring a mega church in this pagan culture where there's all kinds of religions and, and, and all kinds of temples to all manner of gods. And yet here he is in that, that culture raising up a mega church. And now he's hearing that his, his own spiritual father is saying, my end has come. And he's just feeling and oh my goodness. And this is how Paul encourages him. So we got to get some encouragement for how we handle times of trouble. Right on. Thank you for that. Thank you, Glenn. Appreciate it. Fear not. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor me, his prisoner. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. So you can see that this verse is couched in a context. This verse, he's not giving you a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. It was from a spiritual father to a son. And he's, it's in the context of the call of God on your life and moving forward as a steward of the gospel. He says, that's what you've got to do. And don't let fear ever shape your calling or your message. Make sure that it's power and it's love and it's soundness of mind that comes from God that empowers you to do this in this difficult season. Be a guardian of the good news. Be a guardian of this gospel. And so he's asking his son, please, Please do it. Now, now there are fear responses. I know sometimes you do have to manifest. Like if, if there were a big lion coming towards me right now, fear might kick in and I might go, Cheryl, can you take care of that? Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, I, I might be afraid of, of tigers, but I might be afraid of cobra snakes. I probably am afraid of cobra snakes. I've never really met one, but, 
I'm actually afraid of bees, but I shouldn't be afraid of bees either. But the whole thing is for fear to be genuine, to be real, that fear that gives a, a response, that fear that literally physiologically causes you to become alert, causes you to uh, have adrenaline, that kind of fear, it's, it's not a bad thing. But that fear to be genuine, to be real, there's got to be two things. Whatever you're afraid of has to be imminent, which means it's there, it's present. And number two, it has to be potent. Like, you shouldn't be afraid of things that have no power to do anything to you. That's just nonsense. But also, you shouldn't be afraid of things that I'm not afraid of snakes right now because there's none here. Right? Any bees? All right. But, but that, so there is that natural fear. But God's saying, don't let fear be something that shapes going forward. People fear the past. People fear the future. People fear all kinds of nonsense. But don't let fear be something that shapes your world going forward. So the first thing we got to clarify in this verse is fear is not from God. God is never going to use fear as a tool to chisel out his purpose in your life. Never. That's not God. God says, I did not. Fear is not from God. I have not given you. God has not given you a spirit of fear. So it never comes from him. It's from the devil. It's demonic. It's a terrible thing. Fear, though, also can be taught, and fear can be learned. I've seen people that are afraid of dogs, and then their kids are afraid of dogs. I've seen people learn fear. They learn to be afraid of things because it runs in the family. You know, but fear doesn't necessarily just come from the devil. You can learn it. It can be taught. There's preachers today preach fear, try to put fear in the hearts of people. These are terrible days. And they might be terrible days, but I'm not afraid of a single thing. Because no matter what's going on, if God be for me, who can be against me? So we can soberly approach any circumstance or situation knowing it doesn't matter what's happened around me. It might look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. You know, so no matter what's going on, never, ever be motivated or decide anything in your life based on fear. We always say that to couples when they're married. Or I say, never make a life decision in a crisis. Never make a life decision in a time of fear. Never make life decisions. That is not a good time to decide what's going on. Settle back down. Get your perspective straight. Never, ever let fear do that. So it is demonic. So it's a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of fear. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but that spirit of fear, it's rooted in just demonic things. The devil can only really do three things. He can accuse you, he can deceive you, and he can tempt you. He can accuse you all day long. How many have ever done something not so good? Well, he, he comes, the devil comes, throws that in your face all the time. But we just sang a song. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. It says he removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. Do you know when the east meets the west? Never. It's gone. And what he's saying is, your sins are forever removed from you. That's how God approaches your sin. But the devil is an ugly dog, and he's an accuser. And he comes and accuses you. But you know what you have, even if you do sin? First John chapter 2, we have Jesus, who is an advocate to, for us. He's an intercessor. He stands in the gap. He stands between where our life is and where our life should be. And he says, I got that covered. I mean, he takes care of that. He is somebody. He legally represents us before the Father. He intercedes for us day and night. We got God the Father who is not there trying to beat us over the head and accuse us for our sin. If that comes up in your life, it's not God. So we got three places, three different roots for, you know, uh, fear. And first is shame-based fear. 
Some people have shame-based fear based on their past, and they're afraid. And it's rooted in this. Look at Genesis chapter 3, 9, and 10. It says, the Lord called to Adam and said, hey, where are you? Not like he didn't know where he was, but he's given him a chance to get a proper perspective of your loving father. Hey, where are you? And he's going, man, I hope he answers. Where are you? But they didn't say a thing. They just hid. He says, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And then straight up, God says, why are you afraid? Who told you you were naked? What are you doing? You see, the accuser, he, he accused them. They said, said, you're not everything you could be. You could be more. There's, God's holding out on you. So they were, they were tempted you know, to, to do something and to live out of the provision of God. And because they did that, suddenly it wasn't God accused them, but sin itself has that accusatory thing. And the devil, he'll tempt you to do something, and then once you do it, he says, oh, can't believe you did that. I mean, he's the one who tells you to do it, then after you do it, you go, you dirty dog. I mean, he is, a, he is an absolute accuser. The devil, and if you got shame-based fear, you got to get rid of that. Because, I mean, God has not given you a spirit of fear. If you've got anything in your past that has any way it creeps up on you or it accuses you, I mean, that's the devil. Who accuses you? Does God know? He redeemed you and justified you. He's never throwing your past back in your faith. He, and he says, I've thrown it in the sea of my forgetfulness. And there's a no fishing sign. We're not going to grab it anymore. I mean, it's not that God forgot. Oh, gee, I forgot you were a real bad person once. No, he has chosen as an act of his own divinity to never remember your sin again. Hello. Never, ever allow shame-based fear to be a part of your life. Proverbs 21.8 says the wicked flee and no one pursues them. There's some people that, uh, you know, they're walking down the street and there's a policeman. Oh, oh, did you do something? No, but I... But, oh, you know, they're terrified. They, they see something and they're running and they just feel accused. They feel shame. And shame makes you run and there's nobody chasing you. But the righteous, they are as bold as a lion. How can I know, Pastor, if, if you know, shame or that spirit of fear is, is attacking my world in any way and restricting the flow of God's goodness? How can I know? Here's how you can know. If you come before God and you don't have incredible confidence then shame is somehow affecting your relationship with God. If you turn to God and you don't feel absolute confidence and an absolute welcome in the presence of God, you're allowing a spirit of fear to cripple your life. And if anybody says you shouldn't be so bold with God, they're a tool of the enemy to accuse you. Go get another friend. Because you know what? God has not given you a spirit of fear. Not at all. There's shame-based fear. There's that accuser who comes. Then there's the ignorance-based fear where there's deception. And, the, and you see, you're deceived. And fear, there's an acronym for fear. It's false evidence appearing as real. You see, there's false evidence, you know. I was reading a magazine the other day, and it says marriages are failing in London. Over 50% of the marriages in London are falling apart. And I went, oh, my God, how's my marriage? Maybe my marriage is screwed up. My wife might be thinking of leaving me. I better keep my eye on her and get a private detective. Like you can hear all kinds of nonsense and suddenly decide, maybe I need to be concerned. You can, did you know that, that 9 out of 10 people, you know, get warts on their nose when they're 50? What? Uh, I just made that up. I don't think it's true. I don't but there's people that get lied to and, and you know some of us are living in lies we're living in untruths and there are things that are not true and what's especially bad is when we have things that are not true about god 
and your concept of God is messed up. And there's a lot of people with a messed up concept of God. There's a lot of people who need Jesus who have a messed up concept of God. You know where they got it from? The church. Yes, we thought it was our responsibility to call everybody out on their wicked lives and their sin and all their nonsense. And we became the accuser. We became, and we've misrepresented God, misrepresented God, but it's the wrong focus. I mean, maybe when you're a kid, you watch way too many horror movies. Has anybody ever watched a horror movie? Don't open the door to that nonsense. I mean, man, some people get fear in their life. You find little roots. Did anybody ever watch Black Christmas? I mean, like the original one? No? I did. I, I happened to be in a room with people who watched that. And, and I don't know, but there's a little attic door in that movie. Right at the end, it ends with the attic door going shut. And then all of a sudden, the murderer is still up in the attic. And he's got these wrapped dead bodies, and he's rocking them in rocking chairs. And then that was it. It ended with that attic door. Now, I've told you that, and now some of you are traumatized already. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. But, you know, here's the thing. I'm walking home then late at night, and I kid you not, it was the worst cat fights ever. All down the street, walking home. I was just freaked out. You know, and then when I got home, here's the absolute truth. Do you know where that same looking attic door was in our house? It was in my bedroom closet. Did I check that 25 times and sleep with the lights on? Yes, I did. Sometimes I still do, because you know where that attic door is in our house right now? Yep, it's in our bedroom. I got to check it, everyone. But you know, sometimes you open the door to nonsense because you've been focusing on the wrong stuff, looking at the wrong stuff, paying attention to the wrong stuff, and the enemy loves to come in and try to sow some fear and to deceive you and say, you're in trouble, I'm going to get you, blah, 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 and it's all nonsense. And then there's the fear of man. It's a, it says the fear of man is a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. Some people are, are full of fear because they're constantly all day going, I hope everybody likes me. I hope they approve of me. I hope I'm doing a good job. I do that once in a while, like every Sunday on the way home. How did I do, Cheryl? She says, it was fine. I hate that word. Don't you hate that word? What does it was fine mean? You know what I mean? I, I think it was like super duper awesome. You were so good. But, but you see, what I'm manifesting there is I'm constantly seeking approval. And so that manifests in me that when I'm constantly doing that, I am constantly trying to get my needs met from other people, like fill my bank and punch my card, punch my ticket. And you know what? There's another way of saying, gee, do I have a spirit of fear working in my life? If you are getting your needs met anywhere other than in God and his absolute approval of you, you got to turn your focus back to Jesus, all right? Because don't let the enemy deceive you into finding, as Zach said, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He's got it all covered, every single bit of it, so I am absolutely free to be me. Third thing is fatigue-based fear. Fatigue, this is like where temptation comes in and all that nonsense, you know. I'm, I'm a little, you know, how many a little fatigued? Maybe just admit they're a little over some of the nonsense that's going on. You know, we, we've had our building. We, we had a hard time getting our leasing people figured out, so we dropped them. Then they came back. We got them straightened out, and then we got our building. The guy buying the building here, he had a problem. Now he's just completely blown up and we've had to relist the building and a lot of people looking at it though it's really kind of exciting but I've really had to just push back and say God I trust you because this this schedule is not going anywhere near the way I thought it was going to go so right now I don't know about you but I refuse to have future fatigue where we're going to be fatigue I refuse to be shaped by any of that I know that God's at work for good right now and I trust him and if there's something going on there's something I don't know about that God wants to do that's better 
And so I just trust him in the whole thing, don't you? So I'll send you an email later, try and explain it to you. But don't get frustrated or fatigued because you know what? It's all about ministering to people, and apparently we can do that in a parking lot. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. A little louder. Okay, thanks very much. All right, did I tell you I was needy? I just said that, didn't I? Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, this was after the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. It says, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until a more opportune time. Wow. I mean, the devil just never quits. And sometimes he just harasses you and beats you down where you just get fatigue-based fear, where you're just done. I just can't take this anymore. And you just feel like, I'm going to quit. And I know most of you have never done that. But, you know, it gets hard when it's, it says in Proverbs 13, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire that is fulfilled is a tree of life. Amen? So I tell you, sometimes you get frustrated when, you know, it's just hope seems to be deferred over and over again. But, you know, God is really, really good. Let me come back to Timothy here. Let me come back to Timothy. Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us, not. Thank you, Pastor Cheryl. This sermon series is called... This sermon series is called, all right, just for the people watching online who did not come to the service because they are not not having an awesome time watching at home in their pajamas. I know some people are, have told me, Pastor, I had a lady in this week came in to drop off her tithes and spent a nice time talking with her, but she says, I have to tell you, uh, I'm really enjoying how well you guys do the service. And I got to say, there's something about waking up, grabbing your coffee, and sitting in your pajamas. And, and I know you're watching right now, and I love you. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm going to have to pray for everybody get, get the get the passion to gather again. Are we going to have to do that? I don't know. Are you missing the fun? It's going to be good. It's going to be good. We got the corporate worship going on. You're going to love it. I has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And, I mean, and now this spirit is a small s. So God didn't give us a spirit. It's not capital S spirit. It's, the, it's not the capital. It's the small s. It's, it's that human spirit. You've not been given a spirit of cowardice. You've not been given a spirit that, that is timid and is withdrawn and shrinks back. But you've been given a spirit, small s. Now, this isn't the Holy Spirit. This is your spirit. This is your human spirit. When you're born again and you're a new creation, that new created spirit in you is full of power. It has a great revelation of love. And you've got a mind. It's interesting. The, the mind part, it, it, the first word is to compound word the first word is sozo you've got a word that's the saved redeemed healed peace you have a sozoed mind you have a sozoed understanding of all things isn't that amazing so god has given you love absolute total acceptance the agape kind of love the self-sacrificing love and then he's given you power dunamis i mean that that explosive inerrant power to do things that's your human spirit that's how powerful you are i mean that's before you get whacked and partnering with the holy ghost you are already radically amazing but then he also gives you a mind that is redeemed sanctified totally born again mind a mind that is powerful and has understanding of all things isn't that great man and then you get whacked in the holy ghost and you got a partner who's revealing all truth and just you're walking and you are completely set up for good good stuff it says in first corinthians 2 16 he said he said who can know the mind of god who can search it out but then he says but we have the mind of christ we have the very anointed mind of christ we have the same ability in the thought realm understanding and wisdom as christ himself and it's a gift 
It's not something we've had to earn. It is the gift of God. I think you can look up uh, 1 Corinthians 1.30 and it says, Who has become to us wisdom, salvation, revelation. I mean, Jesus, in Jesus, all those things and all those blessings are ours. The love part, the agape, the God kind of self-sacrificial love. 1 John 4.18 says, Such love has no fear. Perfect love, such love. When you get baptized in the love of God, there is no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Perfect love. When you understand how loved you are, when you understand the one who has gone to such lengths to bring you to himself, and you got a full revelation of that, wowzers. I mean, that kind of love just blows away. What, what have I, I mean, that's why it says, if God is for me, who can be against me? And I mean, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I mean, I got God with me. I'm not going to fear anything that man can do. It expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. See, that's because you get a wrong concept of God. And you think God is a punisher. You think God's a God who's, you know, collecting all your sins up and keeping a track record. But 1 Corinthians 13 says, love holds no record of wrongs. And he's not. You see, when you got fear, that's because you got an understanding that what's going to come, what's next is punishment. And there's a lot of people who think God is punitive. And that, you know, God, God wants to get a pound of flesh. He's really disappointed. Look what he had to do. He had to kill his own son just to get us back in the family. No, he, Jesus laid down his life once for all. It wasn't because he was mad at you. And it wasn't because the father had to beat somebody up. God himself went to incredible lengths to make a covenant with God. God made a deal with God in the blood of his own son and you're included in every good benefit and that love that perfect love the knowledge of it drives out all fear that's why the gospel is the power of god the gospel and when you understand the good news it's a big big deal so he's talking to timothy and he's saying this to timothy timothy you've not been given a spirit of fear but of love and of power and of a sound mind and he did that because it's couched in two things number one timothy i want you to understand he said i want you to fan into flame the gift that is in you don't be afraid there's a deposit in you you don't have to fear a single thing god has himself personally equipped you he's put a deposit of himself in your life he's given you a purpose that he will steward and he will enable and he will empower stir up the call of God in your life that's why he said don't turn into a spirit of fear don't ever be a coward because you have a deposit of God in you for this time for right now stir it up in your life don't be timid about it. God himself has called you, empowered you, and he's put something of himself in you to reveal himself in and through you. So, Timothy, don't get concerned about the days we live in. Turn to what God has done on the inside of you. Focus on the fact that you are a child of God with great purpose and stir up the gift of God on the inside of you. you got something in you. I mean, what's in your hand? Moses, it was a rod. I mean, Dorcas, it was a, a needle and a thread. There's something in your hand that God has given you to reveal himself where you are, where you are placed, where you live, where you work. There is a gift in you that is revealing the goodness of God. And you got to stir it up every day. Don't ever operate in a spirit of fear. And if it tries to get on you, what do you do? You turn back to this. There is a gift of God in me. There's a deposit of God in me. I'll never be afraid because God himself has placed something. He's He's given me the steward over a supernatural purpose, and I'm never going to miss it. Ah. Amen, Pastor Cheryl. 
Thank you. Second thing is this. He says, I want you to do that because I want you to stay faithful to the message. He said, I want you to be faithful to proclaim the message that I have given you, the message that you have taught, the message that you have learned of me, Timothy. I'm about to go on the way, but I have deposited something in you, and I have given you stewardship over a message of God's goodness and God's grace. And he says, listen, Timothy, make sure no matter what's happening, no matter what troubles are out there, don't turn and start thinking about the troubles. Don't start preaching about the troubles. Stay on the gospel. Stay on the good news. No matter what's going on, the good news is the trans transformative power for culture. And I tell you, as preachers, we got to be careful we don't start preaching the newspaper and don't start preaching what's going on and preaching all the other things we see. You know, Paul said, I claim to know nothing else except Christ crucified. I claim to know nothing else except the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it doesn't say, my, my interpretations of the times will not save you, but the gospel of Jesus Christ will deliver you. The gospel of Jesus Christ will transform a culture. And that's what he said, don't turn aside to fear. Don't turn aside to look at what's happened. Keep your focus on the call of God on your life and keep your focus on that call and that deposit of God is so that you can share the mystery of the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Pastor Cheryl. I was going to check, see if, you know, you could get hit there by Mr. Hall. I thought you were sleeping. Romans 1, 16 and 17, here it is. For I am not, I am not... I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is. It's not a part of. It's not an addition to. It's not the beginning of. But it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone. It's not that little. It's not the starting point. It's, it's, not, it's not something in addition to what God is doing. The gospel and what Paul, through his letter, wanted him to focus on. If you read it through, you'll see that Paul desperately wanted Timothy to keep it focused on the good news of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why if you're paying attention right now and you're hearing what the throne room is crying out, it's saying the good news of the grace of a loving God. See, the Apostle Paul didn't get thrown in jail for calling Nero a sinner. The Apostle Paul didn't get thrown into jail for, for speaking out against the culture of his day. He didn't get thrown in jail for teaching moralism, and you people could all do better. He never got thrown in jail for that. You know why he got thrown in jail? He got thrown in jail by saying, Jesus is God. He entered into the world through his death, his resurrection. You are forgiven of all of your sins. There's a new king in town. There's a new kingdom. Jesus is Lord of all. Come and be forgiven. Come and be set free. That's why he got thrown in jail. He didn't get thrown in jail because he was protesting stuff. He didn't get thrown in jail because he said, you're all evil sinners going to hell. He never said that. Check it out. He got thrown in jail for saying, your sins are forgiven you. All of them. Jesus took all your sin. You've been reconciled to your father. Only believe. That's why he got thrown in jail. Because if you study the time Paul was in, there was all kinds of Greek moralist teachers. They were all teaching how to live a better life. There's never not a whole pile of people in TED Talks galore telling us how to be better people. And I'm saddened that churches become competing with the world. And the churches have become worldly because we're trying to teach performance and, and we're trying to teach moralism when that will not save the world. 
What's going to save the world is God loves you. He's nuts about you. Come, your sins are forgiven you. Enter into the family of God. Ha! The Greeks didn't like it, though. I don't, I don't like that. Like, you really think God would come and die for us, and that's it? I mean, it's just faith in God, and we're all set free. I mean, there's got to be more than that. I mean, that is, it's an offensive message. I mean, it's just wrong. I mean, it's, it's foolishness. And you see, that's the problem with church today. We, we've taken the gospel. I am not, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the simplicity of it. I'm not ashamed that I, I don't understand, you know, the 10th degrees of physics and neurothermal blah, blah, blah. I don't know anything about that. But it doesn't matter because I've been called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And that I do know. I'm not trying to be a, a financial planner. I'm not trying to be a doctor or a psychiatrist. I just want to tell you that Jesus Christ set you free. Your sins are forgiven. Welcome to the family of God. And I'm not ashamed of that. Because that's the power of God to change the world. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. And it's the power of God for you right here today. He was in chains because he boldly proclaimed that Jesus is Lord. He came to forgive your sins and deliver you from death into eternal life and to freely give you this embraced by faith alone. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God has given you a strong spirit. He's given you a deposit of himself to proclaim the wonderful good news. He sent his son to deliver you from this broken world, to bring you to himself, and now he's given you the ministry of reconciliation. That's what we're here to do. We're here to use my story and tell him about how God set me free, how God healed my brokenness, and how I'm now a part of the family of God. Can I get an Amen. So don't be afraid. Don't worry about what's going on. Don't let the affairs of life or what's going on in this world distract you from the main thing, and that is to give everybody. Use your story, because they can't argue with your story. I mean, I had a lady came in this week and told me her story. She, she told me that the pastor, she's so blessed right now. I mean, it was out of nowhere. Three years ago, she felt God told her to go buy a few properties and start flipping houses with her son-in-law. And she's now flipped 10 houses. And she, she was building a house for herself. And she said, you know what? I want a better house. She sold the house. She was building for her house. And she's building a house just like the lottery dream home, exactly the same house. And now she's bought a house up in Grand Bend. She says, I want the cottage too. And all of this has happened in three years. And you know what her story is? We were evicted from our home and my husband didn't tell me. I came home, he was gone, and then all of a sudden the landlord came and says, get out. I said, what do you mean get out? He says, you were evicted a month ago. He said, I never knew a thing about it. And he was gone forever and there I was out on the street with my two children. But she says, but I've seen God be faithful to me today. And you know what she says? I don't know much. I mean, I, I clean homes and I cut hair every once in a while. But you know what? I have just did whatever God told me to do. And God is faithful. And God, and you know, you listen to her story. And you listen to the passion of that story. And I just want to go, next. I mean, because you know what? You, she could preach at somebody all day long, doctrine and all kinds of other things. And they'd say, well, I don't believe what you believe. But you know what? You cannot deny that her life has been touched and transformed by a loving God. And your story is powerful. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'll never be governed by a spirit of fear because my spirit is a spirit of power and of love and of a sozoed supernatural understanding and revelation that I walk in every day in my life. Amen. 
Amen. Do not fear. Only be bold and see God work and operate on your behalf. Bow your heads. Go ahead. Bow your heads. I don't know. We got some people on the camera. People wander in. We get, we get new people every week. They fill out contact cards and do things. So maybe you're watching online today. Maybe you're here in the parking lot. Maybe you're sitting inside the church. But listen, if you're here today, and if you do a little inventory of your life, and you think about those, those three areas where, where fear is rooted in, you know, it's shame-based. It's, it's accusation-based. Maybe you're fatigued. You felt like I've been under attack for too long. I'm telling you, he's not giving you that spirit. But he's ready to minister to you right now and touch you. I mean, if fear has been crippling your life, if fear is there, if you watched a horror movie when you are a kid, you can't get it over your head, or you had some kind of physical attack or something happened in your life that's an event that just, it constantly accuses you. It's an event that pops up. and It's something that, that just chases you down and says that you'll never be free. I want you to know that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And you can be absolutely set free today. Listen, if that's you, listen, every head bowed. If there's any way, if, if there's it's been shame or it's been, been accusation or you're, you're just, you're fatigued or the, the devil's been lying to you. If you felt that spirit of fear working in your life, I want to pray for you right now. Listen, everybody's heads are bowed. It's just you. If you say, I want to be delivered from fear once and for all, because it says there's no fear. Perfect fear drives out. Perfect love drives out all fear. Listen, if that's you, put up your hand. I want to pray for you. Just put up your hand. I want to pray for you before we go. Thank you. Maybe you put your hand up online. I want to pray for you. I want to pray right now in Jesus' name. I rebuke that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. I curse it and I command it to leave your life. It has no authority and no right to be there. I command any brokenness in your life to be healed. I reframe that whole event right now. I, that event, as awful, as horrible, and as damaging as it might have been, we're going to reframe it now. We're going to baptize it in the goodness of God. This wasn't good. It was not from him. It's heartbreaking, shattering. But right now, we're going to reframe it, that I'm going to use that as a platform that I can share. God has healed me. God has delivered me. And God has set me free. I want tangibly the love of God to touch your life. I want that perfect love to minister to you. Because it's, it's, it's not a thing. It's not some ethereal thing. It's, it's the very real person of God. God is love. And I want him to visit you powerfully right now. And I want fear to be broken off your life forever. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, is there anybody here you've never said, Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Maybe online you've never said, hey, man, that sounds awesome. I, I, I didn't know it was that easy. It really is. It's so simple, it's offensive to most people. Even some Christians think it's offensive. They can't believe it's that simple. They keep on trying to add stuff to it because it just is so easy. You mean Jesus did it all? Yeah. He's the author and the finisher. The one who started it will continue it, and he'll complete it. He really will. He's never going to relax his grip on you. You know, what? if you come in, anyone who comes to him will never be cast out. But he's going to bring you to himself. And if you've never said, I accept you as my redeemer, as my Lord, my Savior, just say that with me right now. Lord, I receive you. I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. Come on into my life. Baptize me with your spirit. Let me know. Let me witness. Let me testify with my spirit that I know that I am a child of God. And we just thank you, Father. We bless you. I bless this group, Lord. I bless Impact Church. I bless our journey. I bless everything that we're engaged in and involved in. I thank you, Father, for coming into a season where there's going to be unprecedented opportunity to see harvests, to see souls saved, to be people touched. Father, I just want to pray for our city. 
And I thank you for our city. I thank you for what I've seen in our city in the last few days. I thank you that I've seen a city that wants to come together and heal, that wants to manifest that we're going to not let evil. We're not going to let the evil of one individual frame who we are. We're not going to let that happen. But we're also not going to let, we're going to say that's not allowed. I mean, that kind of hatred is not allowed in our city. And I'm a pastor, and I feel like on my watch, I mean, something horrible happened. Something terribly tragic and demonic was manifest. And Father God, Lord, we pray for that family and all the dear loved ones that surround it. We plead the blood of Jesus and the peace of God over every single circumstance. But we boldly declare that you overcome evil with good. And I thank you for all the kind people, and many even of our, our group who, are, who have been a part of, uh, of vigils and meetings and, and walking in the street and saying, you know what, we love our neighbor on purpose. We love. God shed his love abroad in our heart, and love is my way of life. And Father, we command that this city is blessed. We rebuke that as a, as a window or as an opportunity for the enemy to come in and build strife. We curse that in Jesus' name. And we command the peace of God to rest on our city. The peace of God to rest on every single person in the city of London. May they know grace. May they know fear. Or may they know no goodness but no fear. Do not fear. We just curse that in Jesus' name. We command the peace of God to be manifest in this lovely, beautiful community, city of God, London, Ontario. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. All right, how was that? Did you have a good time? All right, so come on back next week. We're hoping they'll jack up our numbers a little bit. We can do a little more. I mean, we can, we can at least have, you know, we can do 65 in the one room, more in the other room. We can move kids upstairs, so it's not hard for us to do 120 or more. So you don't all have to stay home. Come on in. You will have to register next week because we're taking people inside. Got a baby dedication next week. That's really exciting. And uh, we're going to talk about you're not fatherless. You're not an orphan because we're in the middle of a not series. I'll do that again. You're, you're not fatherless. You're not an orphan because we're in the middle of a not series. Thank you very much. All right. Cheryl says wrap it up. I can hear it even through her mask. All right. Well, we bless you. We love you. Thank you so much. Bless you folks online. Love you big time. In Jesus' name and an amen. <laughs>